Today's podcast episode is on the critical topic of safeguarding our children on their phones and online. I'm sharing 10 essential strategies every parent should know to navigate the digital realm and foster a secure environment for kids. Learn how to take proactive steps, empower your children, and ensure their safety in the digital age. Don't miss out on the essential guide to creating a secure online space and texting space for your family. Hey parents, welcome to Fulfillment Therapy. Do you wanna raise your kids better and have a stronger marriage? Are you up late at night researching marriage and parenting tools and self-care tips? Do you start each day hoping for deeper connections and less chaos, but it ends with family arguments and going 12 different directions again? My name's Kendra, wife, mom, therapist, and growth enthusiast. It wasn't until I discovered how to fulfill my unmet needs that I was finally able to show up as my best self, as a spouse and parent. I realized that by meeting my needs, I could more fully meet the needs of my family with more energy and less resentment. In this podcast, I teach parents skills like boundary setting, prioritizing personal needs, communication, and claiming ownership. Just like my clients, you'll be shocked by the improvement in your marriage, parenting, and personal life when you focus on fulfilling your important, unmet needs. Ready to prioritize yourself so you can quit mentally throat-punching people? Then grab those earbuds and head outside, and let's rock and talk. Welcome back, my friends. This is episode number 80, Empowering Parents, 10 Vital Strategies for Texting and Online Child Safety. This has been a big recent discussion in our house, as well as with a bunch of parents and clients that I've had. So whenever that happens, I feel like, okay, if we're struggling with this and this is coming up a lot, it's definitely something my listeners would be interested in. Before I go into that, though, really quickly... I want to talk about how you can revitalize your winter. Join my free one hour, just one hour, my friends, live workshop on Monday, January 29th. Go write that down at noon. And we'll be talking about how to combat winter blues with a 30-day parent makeover blueprint. Have you ever heard of SAD? That's seasonal affective disorder. And most people don't even recognize they have it, but many of us do. I know I do every year. I experience that. Well, you will learn how to manage that or even just that winter slump. And there's going to be free resources and giveaways, a workbook and accountability. So don't miss that. It's only once, maybe twice a year. So register now on fulfillmenttherapy.org. As always in the show notes, you can find us in all the places as well as our new private Facebook group or on Instagram. So check out the links in the show notes. So this group though is a private parent self-development and mental health group so that we can really improve ourselves as parents and in doing so improve our family life. Don't forget as well to sign up for our Costa Rican retreat. There are still some spots available and we wanna get that filled as soon as we can. Now that the holidays are over, 
We all need something to look forward to, and this is it, my friends. Now jumping back in to the episode. I've recently had somewhat of a rude awakening about texting and phones with one of our teens, and I'm always cautious to share these things because I really want to respect my kids' privacy. So I'm going to keep this general and just say we currently have three teens at our home right now, including our exchange student. So one of these teens, I'm going to talk about an experience that we had. Hopefully this is going to be anonymous enough because I never want to make it uncomfortable for them. But this is where I learn things. It's my laboratory in a sense. Well, I've been concerned about one of these teens and wondering what to do even after several frank conversations and reaching out to other professionals as well as having a lot of conversations with my husband and we gave several opportunities to this child to make things right but there were still way too many red and pink flags for us to ignore so we were left with that difficult decision on whether or not we should invade their privacy and go through their texts which is something I've never done before and I've really struggled with that idea. To me, it almost feels like reading a journal. Not quite, but almost. And I've had many clients do that. And I just, it, it makes me uncomfortable. I think because I really appreciate my privacy, even though I have nothing juicy to hide at all, I just feel safer knowing that there are things that I can keep private and I can process on my own and I don't have to worry about anyone reading it. And I want to do that same thing with my kids. We did end up going through it, not really knowing if it was the right thing to do or not, but we knew things couldn't keep going the way that they were without major consequences. I learned a lot through that experience, and I'm going to tell you more about that after I share some tips that really helped us. I'm going to give you 10 vital strategies for texting and online child safety. This is what I wish I would have known or would have done. Number one, set clear boundaries. Establish guidelines about texting and online behavior early on. These clear boundaries help your kids understand proper behavior. Now, we did that somewhat. We took off social media, we took off browsing or the internet, and our children just have access to the apps that we approve. We wanted to limit texts, but at the time that was not an option except for more expensive versions, and we had several phones we were already purchasing, so it just felt like the easier option. Now, what I learned from my mistakes is that we never really had a very direct conversation with all of our kids about texting and online behavior guidelines because that was never modeled to us because this is all very new territory. So I'll say more on that in just a minute. Tip number two, educate them on cyberbullying. So teach kids about cyberbullying and its impact and encourage them to report anything to you that's suspicious or it feels like it could be harmful. Now, I have a little bit of an issue with the word bullying because it's like everyone accuses everybody of bullying, but cyberbullying is another level. There's like this emotional intensity to it that is complex and hard to identify. And I could do an entire episode just on that, but I encourage you to look into that or even ask your kids if they know what that is and just have a conversation about this. Usually around the dinner table is a great time for us to talk about these things that I learn or that we're curious about or that we want to go into more detail about. What we did well with this is we taught them about personal suspicious and harmful behavior, like face-to-face, but not as much online because we have things locked down. And what I learned is that it's never 
as locked down as you think it is. And a lot of these things are super innocent. Assume that they'll find things anyway, intentionally or unintentionally. For example, a quick story of my sister and I. We were in the library when we were teenagers or maybe a little bit younger. And they have things really locked down. And I remember, I don't even know what I was looking at, but all of a sudden this big pornography site about Britney Spears came up and it was very loud and it was blaring and it was big. And so everybody was looking at my screen and I was so embarrassed. I had no idea how it came up, especially on a public library with all of their filters and all those things. And we couldn't shut it down. We finally had to unplug the computer to get it to stop. It was terrible. So a lot of those things are often unintentional. So assume the best about your kids. Number three, teach critical thinking. Teach them to question online information and think about these things before they're sharing it or before they take it as fact. With this one, they don't have much internet access without us putting in a code. And that's something that we did well. But what we learned is they have so much access in schools and on their friends' devices. So have conversations earlier than you think you might need to. Number four, supervise screen time. Monitor their screen time to prevent excessive texting and online activity. Balancing online and offline activities is crucial. Again, I'm going to tell you what, what we did well and what we learned. And that's both as therapists, my husband and I, and also from our clients' mistakes and our own mistakes. So what we did well is we put time limits with different apps and different settings on tablets and phones. What I learned is that I really hate school laptops that they give your kids, at least in our district, it's once they're in middle school and high school. And those computers prevent you from putting any time restrictions on them or any other things. I've called, I've asked, and there is very little that I can do, and they need these for their classes. And it's infuriating that I don't have control of that situation. And I haven't yet come up with an option, but I've learned that I need to advocate even more. I cannot be the only parent that is really frustrated by this. Number five, model healthy tech use. This is a big one, my friends. Set an example by demonstrating responsible tech use. Kids learn from observing our behavior. So I do almost zero social media except for my business, and I hardly text. The more I am in creation mode, the more I'm doing what I love, the more I resent my phone, as a matter of fact. And yet, I learned that while I'm not using it for those things, I'm still using my phone as a tool for things like recipes and learning Spanish and email. So I'm regularly using it around my children and modeling an unhealthy reliance on it. They see that thing so much in my hand, which makes me so sad because that was not how it was for my mother, my grandmother. This is a new th and we don't yet know the consequences of that. But I worry that my kids are going to have so many memories of me on my phone instead of being present with them. And that haunts me. Number six, regular check-ins. So frequently check in with your child about their online experiences. Show genuine interest in their lives, especially their digital lives. And not as like, I want to punish you kind of way, which I'll get to in a minute. 
Just ask them if they've noticed anything or if they've seen anything. Actually, recently, that is something that I did do well. I had some candid talks with my kids about things they've seen online or what they've come across or anything that's concerned them or things their friends have said. And we've read that book, like Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, and we've had some of those conversations, but you don't stop after just doing it once. And I've learned that regularly having that scheduled time where you check in with them is really important. Like I love kid dates for that reason. I also love Sunday check-ins. We sit and we go over the week and we talk about concerns or anything that came up and successes. And I want to do more of that next year for sure in 2024. Actually, by the time this airs, it will be 2024. (laughs) Number seven, teach online etiquette. Okay, this is a big one for me. I really appreciate people that have tech etiquette. Guide them on proper behavior and the importance of respectful communication online. What we did well is I remind them to put away their phone and that it isn't a need and texts don't need a rapid response. What I learned is that there's a lot of great things online. You can just look up tech etiquette, technology etiquette, or phone etiquette. And I'm reminded of my friend, Emily, I'll publicly state that here, (laughs) Emily Stedman, she is amazing when it comes to putting her phone away when we're together, and I just love it. I've never realized how disruptive it is or even a little bit rude or insulting until I compared it with her and then many of my other friends whom I love very dearly, but she understands that that is not appropriate and she's not texting and responding to people throughout It feels like she values me more because our interaction is more important than something that she could do later. Have that conversation with your kids. Teach them what is okay and what isn't. Resist the culture that says that this kind of behavior is acceptable. Number eight, teach digital footprint awareness. So what does that mean? Well, explain the concept of a digital footprint. This is where they can see all the things that you've done. Encourage responsible posting or sharing of anything, even if it's just through text, so they can safeguard their future. Because something dumb you do now might haunt you for the rest of your life. For example, this is kind of an extreme example, but my husband works with a lot of sex offenders, and some of them have gone through this whole process because of something that was downloaded that they didn't even know about. But once you open it and you realize what's on that those files, you can be liable for that. Or there's just a lot of experiences that I had no idea would become a problem that he's seen with his clients that make you realize you really have to be careful with what you're doing online. Number nine. Oh, and what I learned from that as well is my generation is pretty naive with tech and every parental generation will be because everything is outdated so quickly. So we need to continuously be educated on how to keep our children safe. And that means being proactive and not just complacent. Number nine, use parental controls. Leverage parental control software or apps to restrict inappropriate content and monitor their online activity. So what we do well with this is I ask for help when I don't know what to do. And what I've learned is that I've been a little bit complacent. It just felt too hard, too big, too many steps. I absolutely hate tech and it just feels like such a headache. But there are things that I could have done earlier. Like for example, a friend recently told me about the app Bark. 
and this monitors online activity and it will alert you if there's any risks or unsafe behavior that you need to know about in like their texts, their emails, and all those things. And yes, you have to pay for it, but what is it worth for that peace of mind knowing that your kids are safe and that you don't have to scroll through endless texts or emails or things like that? And you can even make them aware of it. I have found with my own children that even though that can be slightly annoying, there's also comfort and safety that you care enough and you're willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that they're protected. They want to feel safe. Number 10, create a supportive environment. So establish an environment where kids feel safe discussing online challenges without fear of punishment. So what we did with this is that I learn from parent and teen clients. And the more I realize what the culture is out there right now, I feel like we're quite good at talking with our kids. And I feel like they're pretty informed about a lot of things. And I learned that I need to give them opportunities to share setbacks without being afraid of punishment. I need to be more patient with their timing and make sure my nonverbals aren't showing that irritation or that anger if they're not coming forward soon enough. That is hard to do, especially when you feel like they're making a lot of choices that are not wise. And sometimes I think I'm so patient and a lot of times lately I'm like, maybe I'm not as patient as I thought. We all have ways to improve, right? So I want to go back to the story from the beginning of the teen in our home right now. And now that I know what I know after going through that experience, I wish I would have put parameters in place in the very beginning. I wish I would have done these 10 things Well, some of these I did do, I don't think I did them as well as I could have. I wish I wouldn't have assumed that the kids in the home were wise enough to handle texting well, especially when adults don't even really handle texting well. And even though we don't have the internet on their phones or these other things that others might have, honestly, I wish I wouldn't have gotten them a personal phone. And I wish I would have set something up like Bark or the Screen Time app and really dialed that in much earlier. I did some things, but not as much as I felt I should have done now in hindsight. And I wish I would have rejected the cultural norm that I hear all the time from parents that say, oh, they have to have it. It's a necessity. They can't go without it. I want to call you on that. (laughs) That is not true. Now, I do think that it is a convenience that is hard to avoid. And there are ways around it. For example, in our home, I think we would have been fine with having one or two home phones, like maybe one for the boys, one for the girls, that stays at home and they're in public places and screen time apps where they shut off at a certain time, where they don't have internet access, they don't have socials. And again, this is not about restricting them and this is not the real world and all those arguments. But it's because we are exposing them to things that they are not yet emotionally and mentally mature enough to handle. And now some of the kids in our family are very mature and very capable. And the people that are reaching out to them are not always that way. And that is one thing that we discovered too that really made my heart hurt as we looked through those text messages. So many teens are really struggling emotionally and mentally and they don't know what to do. And they're reaching out to friends. And some of that stuff is very dark and very heavy. And things that I never had to deal with as a teenager. 
and it makes me hurt for them. And also, I want to even protect my own children from having to act as counselor to these very heavy, dark things to other teenagers, especially ones that don't have parameters and boundaries in place. Now, as challenging as it felt to invade their privacy in this situation, we let them know that we'd be doing check-ins regularly from now on on their phone until they graduate because we love them too much. Now, do they love that we do this? No. Do I love it? Really, I don't. <laughs> but they understood, and I think there was relief there, like I mentioned before, that we care enough to put those in place, and they can decide for themselves when they're 18 what parameters they want to have. I think they understand better than we do the mental and emotional weight from modern tech, and I really think they want better boundaries from us. For us to be more courageous parents and willing to advocate for them and resist those cultural norms and talk to the schools and get angry even in respectful ways about what we want and what we don't want for our children and not allow them to raise our kids for us. Now, you may disagree with a lot of these things. That is up to you. Take these 10 tips as you will. I know a lot of parents say, I have to prepare my kid for the real world. They need to figure this stuff out. Well, I don't agree with that exactly. There's plenty of things we want to protect our kids from that we would not expose them to, like violence and abuse and pornography. They're just things we wouldn't want for them, and yet they're seeing many of those things regularly. Well, that is all I can offer for today. There's only so much I can say in a short episode. That is your 101 on tech safety strategies. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, feel free to share it. And again, as a reminder, join my free one-hour live workshop on Monday, January 29th at noon. Like I said, this only happens once or twice a year. And this is where you can come and finally get some free accountability, even for things like this, these tech boundaries. So come and get a 30-day parent makeover blueprint. Even if your kids are raised, even if you don't have kids, whatever it is, come and you will get those free resources, those giveaways, that workbook, and that accountability. Don't miss your chance. Register now on fulfillmenttherapy.org. My friends, have an incredible week, and I will see you back here, as always, in a couple days. Until then. Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, chances are someone else would too. Would you take 30 seconds to share this with a friend who's looking for greater family fulfillment? And while you're sharing, tell me what you think about the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It refuels me when I hear this podcast is helping you, no matter what your house or your hair looks like. I'll meet you back here every Monday and Thursday morning for more episodes. Until then.